Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out to the Dating Prep Podcast. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be doing live Q&As on relationships, singleness, dating, or whatever you may have questions on. I'm going to do my best to answer you from a biblical perspective, from personal experience, or just from basic logic. So if you're watching this live, do me a big favor and share this broadcast to as many people as possible. If you're watching this a little bit later, whether on YouTube or you're listening right now, uh, wherever you are on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, I want to say thank you guys so much for listening. I greatly appreciate you guys um, supporting and and being uh, faithful and, and being a part of the Unpluggers community here. Um, this Q&A um, will be two weeks because May 23rd, we'll be starting a book series. What's up, Simone? We're going to be going through uh, my book, The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties and Uproot Strongholds. Get your books today. Go to Amazon.com. Get your books so that we'll be able to go literally uh, page by page, chapter by chapter, the verses that I have. And what's up, Josh? What's up, Aries? And the chapters and the verses that I have that goes on with the chapters will go and really help. I feel it's a pressing on my heart to really help those who are struggling with soul ties and strongholds. Hey, what's up, Shantae? Uh, what's going on, Amanda? So get your books now. We start May 23rd, Thursday, same hour, probably 7 or 7.30. I'll make that clear down the road. And we're going to be really going deep into how to untie from soul ties and strongholds, whether from people, thoughts, past persuasions, etc. But let's get right into the questions. Let's get right into the questions. I'm excited. I love Q&As. Um, and I know the Holy Spirit is going to speak today to help us Get insight and clarity. All right, here we go. <clears throat> hey, what are your thoughts on court marriage? Um, <clears throat> marriage is marriage. I think um, anytime two people come together and they want to get married, whether it's through the court or in front of a community of people, I think I think uh, the true core of marriage is is God in the midst. Now, I don't personally know much about uh, <clears throat> pers- uh, positions on court marriage or not. I just think, from my point of view. Uh, I think none of those things matter technically wise, except for making sure that those both individuals are ready for the commitment and that God is in the center of it. That's my thoughts on that. Yes, the books on Amazon, Josh, just simply search Joshua Ezzy. My book's available there, Um, all six of them. Um, But that book, The Purpose of Freedom, is a book about soul ties and strongholds. Um, All right, next question. Sick of beings. Sick of being single. Am I the only one? Nah, I think anything, per, any perspectives makes one sick. Um, singleness is a gift. And I think when you have the right perspective, and I know it could be challenged. So I'm not, I'm not attacking you. I'm not saying that you're um, um, not human to experience those emotions. Those are real raw emotions, but everything in life must be backed with the mind, a mental renewal. If the mind is not renewed in that area, then of course there's going to be some things about your experiences in singleness that's going to be outdated or well overdue. But I think the more um, we allow ourselves not to become well as individual, we'll just bring that sickness into a marriage. That's why God wants you to be single, be whole, be with him, be developed, be fine-tuned, be uh, maintained and sustained and sourced by him and having the maturity of heart and this and the mental renewal needed 
um, to execute in a commitment called marriage. So if you're sick of singleness, trust me, you're going to be sick of marriage because marriage is for mature people. And those who are still fighting the code of singleness is going to find themselves even more sick in marriage because because anytime you don't have the right perspective in one phase, when you get to the next phase, you're going to realize that that there's much more that comes with it than the persuasions or the advice or or the thoughts <clears throat> you may have on that particular thing. Hope they help. Hey, what's up, April? Good information. Aries, if I don't forgive, am I going to hell? Um, let's make that clear. Anyone who dies with unforgiveness in their heart show proves they never accepted God's forgiveness to them. Now, a person who is in unforgiveness right now doesn't mean <clears throat> that God is not going to uh, eventually help that individual forgive. Um, the Bible says how if you can't forgive your brother, if you don't forgive your brother of his trespasses, I won't forgive you of your trespass. And I think that's pretty black and white. But I think anyone who's in Christ will eventually forgive because those who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and are growing now will we'll eventually have it in their heart to forgive because you can't follow Christ for a period of time and not have the fruit of, of empathy, sympathy, understanding or forgiveness in the center of your heart. But if you die with unforgiveness, it proves to a degree, actually to a full degree that you haven't truly accepted the forgiveness of God. Because when someone has been forgiven of God and they're being sanctified and their minds being renewed, then they can't help but forgive. It may be difficult, but eventually, even if it's on their deathbed, I believe that God, who, whom he has sealed, will, will eventually bring that person into forgiveness because <clears throat> it's hard. I think we have to understand there's two types of people in church, converted and curious, right? Converted and clicks. You see what I'm saying? And I think uh, uh, the converted, the truly converted person will eventually forgive. The one that chose Christianity as a checkbox on religion and just in there because they're curious and they're they just want clicks and they just want whatever. They 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 want all these different things. Those people are probably not going to forgive. Don't confuse the converted individual from the one who checked Christian on the religious box. There's a big difference. Those who have truly been converted by God will eventually forgive. And if you're in an unforgiveness state now, that doesn't mean that you're going to hell tomorrow. It just means that you're in a process because you're human. You have feelings, you have emotions, and you're and you're and you're struggling with the idea of forgiving. But the more you walk with God, you will find yourself actually forgiving more. And you'll begin to look back and say, six years ago, that was an unforgivable thing to me. But wow, God, through his mercy, through his grace, through his love, has helped me forgive. <clears throat> Good question, y'all. So don't, don't have no fear that you're going to hell because you just, you upset with someone right now. Uh, because God understands how drastic some experiences are. But that's why you have to allow him to work on your heart. And I think eventually the true converted ones will. Hey, coach. My immediate family and friends are Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't chase after Christ as I do, and it bothers me. How do I stay connected to them when my heart is always on Christ? You got to understand that <clears throat> um, your walk with God is your walk with God, and that how other people walk shouldn't bother you. The thing about it is, love is such a powerful thing to the point to where if you look at your family or individuals or people close to you through the lens of love and lens of understanding, 
then you would know your position in their life. Um, things bother us when when there's uh, <clears throat> fruit of self-righteousness. I'm not saying you're a self-righteous person, just hear me. When, 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 when things bother believers when they believe they above other groups, right? I'm not saying it's you, just follow me. When a person is bothered by uh, people in sin or bothered by gays or bothered by uh, uh, atheists or bothered by <clears throat> even, even different subgroups of their Christian uh, uh, belief, then their actions bother them. I work with the Muslim. I work with gays. I work with people in the school. I work with people. I'm around people all the time and their lifestyles don't bother me to the point to where um, I, it's affecting my walk or <clears throat> it's affecting how I see them. Ultimately, I see myself as an ambassador of Christ and I walk and move or endeavor to navigate my life like he would, like the woman at the well, like the woman caught in the act of adultery, like like uh, the tax collector, Matthew, all these different people. And just understanding that that doesn't mean truth is not truth. It just means that I'm tender with my truth. Tender with my truth doesn't mean I compromise. It doesn't mean I'm tolerant, extreme uh, left of tolerancy, but it does mean that that. As I process what is going on with my family, I know for a fact my position is to love them. So you have to ask yourself the question, why does it bother you? Now, it, now don't get me wrong, things may bother you, may, but you kind of, but but you have to take that bother and say, okay, why is this bothering me? How can I change my perspective on them? And if it's bothering me because it's blatant in my face and it's disrespect, then, okay, there we go. <clears throat> if it's blatant disrespect and it's in your face and it's invading your life, then that's when you just got to break free. We're just talking about, hey, I went to, to cook out. It's Mother's Day. I know my brother who's in sin is going to be there. I know my sister who does that is going to be in sin. And it just bothers me. You have to understand what it means to be empathetic and understanding. Like, I'm not going to sit there in every sentence to my Muslim brother who works, works real close to me and be like, you doing this and you doing that. And that's wrong. That's not my place. My place is just to be a light. And if asked questions about my faith or if asked questions about what I believe, then it's when I share my hope. But until someone asks you, you tell them the truth through your life. Until someone asks you about the hope that's in you, don't, don't, until they ask, just show it through your life. Now, my immediate family and friends are Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't match. Now, you said Christian, so let's get specific. My immediate family and friends are Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't chase after Christ, as I do, and it bothers me. I know. I understand that could be frustrating, but you also got to understand, even in Christian sects or groups, you have to love them. There, there's, there's people that I know that I'm like, you guys are following weird doctrines you guys are following the wrong way or you guys are just living and y'all you know y'all doing all these different things as that's that the world does at the end of the day <clears throat> they got to stand before god themselves the good thing about your life is it is your life and you have the ability to walk out your life according to scripture even if your family or brothers or sisters don't and all you got to do is continue to to walk with christ silently don't get into debates don't make them, what I mean by don't make them feel uncomfortable, your lifestyle may make them feel uncomfortable, but don't make them uncomfortable or bothered with forced conversations or forced words. The Bible talks about speak things that fits the occasion. 
Like you don't want to go to Mother's Day cookout and your mom, then you just, mama, why are you doing this? The Bible says, no, that, that's, that's unnecessary. Continue to live your life quietly until they open up their mouths to ask you or until you see change. But how do I stay connected to them when my heart is always on Christ? The good thing is, <clears throat> they say, um, uh, when he was asked about what are the great commandments, he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love others as yourselves. The Bible talks about, oh, no man, no, don't owe no man nothing but love. And all you got to do is stay connected. Love them. You know, if they drinking or smoking or, or talking crazy around you, you got to, you got to, you got to almost build your, um, empathy level or understanding level now if it and if it's contaminating you and you now we're talking about cookouts we're talking about visiting we're not talking about straight up hanging out with them that's a difference but if you're in a, an environment on their turf you got to respect their turf and respect how they do what they do i'm talking about without forcing them to change because you're there <clears throat> i just think you just continue to be a light leave when you need to leave you, if it gets too crazy and you only got to be there 30 minutes, be there for 30 minutes and move on. But if, if if the best way to stay connected to Christ is you stay connected to him. And if everybody wants to go their way, they go their way. Now, if those believers, those friends of yours want to go party, want to go do, do, do different things, <clears throat> that doesn't mean you go with them. It just means when when they're in your space, on your turf, or you guys happen to be somewhere, you be that light quietly. See, you know, notice thing, notice one thing about light, the light that I got here, it doesn't say nothing. It doesn't speak to me. It doesn't hold a conversation. It doesn't force anything. It just is. Sometimes the best thing to do around people is just be Christ in that environment. And if that environment becomes too much to the left, you go right and you're going about your life. Good question. Um, all right. What you think about dating unsaved people? I think it's a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your growth. It's a waste of your energy. Um, because how can two walk together lest they be agreed? The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. And people understand what it means to be yoked with the right person. Like, 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 uh, we're not talking about different kind of personalities. So, so you and you and a person may not share the same type of person like myself. I'm more of an uh, introvert to a degree, introvert slash extrovert. You know, I'm more, I'm more 80, 70% introvert, 30% extrovert. My wife is about similar, but the other way around. <clears throat> and there's differences, but that doesn't mean we're unequally yoked. It just means we're equal holes that complement each other. Now, but if you date someone who's unsaved, then that person, especially if you're a lady, if that will go both sides. If you're a lady trying to date a man that's unsaved and he's following another religion, another belief or whatever, you got to be careful because that person, there's going to come a place where y'all coming to a point where you guys are going to disagree on fundamental foundational truths that affects money, that affects time, that affects <clears throat> uh, what to do in, in, in a tragic situation. And when it comes to spiritual battles, you don't want to be with someone that can't pray you through nothing, that can't help you and they're on the same uh, maturity level or belief level. To help you navigate tough times, transitions will always reveal the truth of a person's heart. When you're going through a transitional period, you're going to know what's in that person's heart. You're going to know what's inside of your heart. So when it comes to dating someone that's unsafe, then it's going to find you in places of unsafety 
because people who are in the world that's not saved by God, who's not in the sanctification process of their mind being mentally renewed, then you're going to find yourself in some very unsafe situations financially, unsafe situations sexually, unsafe situations uh, culturally, or just unsafe situations, period. That's why it's wise for you to let God do what he does. And if that person is not saved, it is not your job to save them. Jesus never told us to go out there and be the sole source of someone's salvation. We supplement the salvation process. You know what supplements are? They supplement, they support health. They support uh, uh, the body being well. They're not the sole source of health. Our disciplines are, but they supplement. We're not the sole source of someone's salvation. We, through God's leading supplement someone's salvation but in relationships you're not supposed to supplement somebody's relationship in that regard because it's going to be hard for you to be walking in relationship with god while trying to fix a relationship that's not of god at the moment i just think it's just best not to date anyone until post confirmation and within the companionship process dating outside of god's confirmation and outside of courtship is a waste of time <clears throat> courtship means we're, and that's an old term, but dating in, in as far as courtship is, we're dating for a purpose. We're dating for a goal. We're dating from confirmation. If you're not, if you're dating towards confirmation, you're wasting your time. You're supposed to date from confirmation. You're supposed to get to know each other from confirmation, from, uh, from prayer, from seeking God, because anything before that is a waste of time. And a lot of people are dating pre-confirmation. They become confused. They become uh, in a compromised state. They become all over the place, emotionally infatuated. And they wonder why there's no clear path or of course for them to navigate life in sync with the Holy Spirit supplementing that relationship. You got to look at your relationship right now and say, are we dating towards confirmation, dating, not even looking for confirmation, or are you dating strictly from confirmation? Any relationship that's pre-confirmation is a waste of your time. It's best to find out what God wants for you <clears throat> now than to waste your time dating, getting emotionally infatuated, become sexually engaged, become mentally confused, and then all of a sudden you want to seek God. It's going to be real hard to hear from God when you are mentally cl uh, cluttered, uh, uh, spiritually clueless, and sexually contaminated. And when I'm even talking about uh, or sexually soul-tied, it's going to be really hard to hear from God with all those emotional, mental, and physical addictions running rampant in your heart. And you love him. And you love her. It's just not wise. So it's best to only date from confirmation. Clear confirmation from God. Good questions. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. <clears throat> Allergies, but I'm good. How can I use gentleness while still being stern when God has not confirmed courting for me at this time. Let me make sure I understand. How can I use gentleness while still being stern when God has not confirmed courting for me at this time? Um, <clears throat> if, I, if I think what you're saying is what you're saying, um, let me tell you like this. Um, you, there's levels to niceness. There's going to be a lot of guys, and I see that your picture that you're a lady, and by your name, I can tell. 
that there's going to be a lot of guys that don't care about your stance, don't care about your commitment, don't care about your values, don't care that they're going to keep uh, pressuring you or coming at you. Um, the thing about it is there's nothing wrong with uh, uh, modifying your niceness in certain atmospheres, meaning <clears throat> there's going to be some guys who's going to be like, yo, what's up? Why? I had a coworker that asked me a question. I told her, you don't owe nobody an explanation. I said, the best thing you can say to a man that's uh, pursuing you, whether it's a good candidate, bad candidate, is I am extremely content in my singleness. I am content in my singleness and I'm trusting God for clarity. Now, we're not talking about you tell some sinner dude at the club that I'm not, not at the club, but you tell a coworker that's just out there and just whatever. You don't got to be all deep with it. You just got to be able to say, you know what? I'm very content in my singleness. And if they can't understand that, then you owe them no other niceness. And it's okay to be stern on what you believe, but the sternness should come after at least one pearl like I, I like or one gentleness pearl like you don't cast your pearl to swine what you do is you say hey if a person approaches you once and whatever you just simply just be nice and say oh well thank you uh thank you for the compliment uh thank you for the kind gesture thank you for the for for whatever but right now i'm content in my singleness and right now i'm not looking to be in a relationship if that person begins to continue to pressure you day after day at work, or you see them again, if they're frequent around the places that you frequent, then that's when you be stern. You don't got to be nice. Because I told you once. I told you once. After that, I ain't, I don't owe you no niceness. I think <clears throat> a lot of women feel like, well, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. No, you, they're, they're setting themselves up to be hurt. If you dumb enough to come ask me again, I done told you once. And a lot of guys think that's, and that's immature. A lot of guys think that that's being played hard to get. When a woman, fellas, if a woman is very clear, <clears throat> very clear about her views, about what she want to do with her life, leave it alone. And ladies, it's okay to say something once and don't have to say it again. And if they keep pressuring and call you mean, you don't got to be nice to someone who wants their feelings hurt. And that's a manipulative tool that a lot of women will at least let me just give him a chance. No, you don't got to give nobody a chance. You know what I'm saying? You don't owe nobody no chance. A chance means we'll see. No, no, no. This is my stance. This is my stance. And when you get with someone, this is your stance. Like, I'm standing. I'm a standing. This is what I believe because this is what God confirmed. Don't give nobody no chance. Stay in your stance. And you don't have to be nice to someone that's stupid enough to try to set themselves up to get their feelings hurt. You tell like it is nice in the beginning. If they keep coming at you again, stay stern with it. Stay committed with it. Don't, don't, be, don't give clues. If the person already has your number and whatever, you don't got to answer their phone. Put, in, put under their name not giving you a chance. Dude from this place. No, no, just put no for their name. No, I'm not picking up this phone. And it's okay to be stern because this is your life. And it is what it is. Good question, though. You, it's okay to be stern and direct, not disrespectful and rude, just stern and clear. And you have to be clear with your words and your actions. You just can't be clear with your words and then you unclear your actions. You're calling him when you're having a bad day. <clears throat> you flirt with him every Thursday around 2.58. Like, he going to be confused. Clarity means I'm clear through my words and my deeds and everyone around can see that I'm okay in my stance with God and in my singleness.
Good questions. All right. Hi, Josh. Oh, it did it again. Sorry. Let me scroll back up, guys. It does that sometimes. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Hi, Josh. What is your advice, thoughts on having a future husband checklist and should it be specific? Um, I think you got to get as specific as possible, and but but make sure that it's realistic. I don't see nothing wrong with having a checklist, but you have to be okay with God removing some things off that checklist. You got to be okay with 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 um, and what I mean by checklist, your checklist should be more substance than superficial. A lot of people's checklist is full of of um superficial things. He has to be this tall. Nothing wrong with that, but that can't be the bulk of your list. That he, oh, I want a man that wears orange on Tuesday, and he has to wear pastel colors on Thursday. That he has to have forty-six waves in his hair, or he has to have thirty-seven locks, or that he has to have this kind of like <clears throat> we're talking about. Your checklist is eighty-five percent substance, fifteen percent superficial. Now, what I mean by superficial is, it's just what you aesthetics, what you like. But if everything on your list is about looks and 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 money and 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 how this person supposed to make me feel, then that list is superficial. <clears throat> but the bulk of your list should be of substance, meaning I want a man that loves God. List shouldn't be that long. You know what I'm saying? But uh, because if you think about it, if you got 60 or 70 things on your list, that may be too specific and you may be a uh, single until Jesus comes back. Right. But if you get specific in regards to what the word of God says about a man or what the word of God says about a woman, those things need to be the bulk of your list because those things is what supports a marriage. You want a man that's committed to God, number one, and to his word. You want a man that knows how to pray and has a thriving conversation uh, and has a has great communication with God. <laughs> Prayer is just not, I'm going to him when something bad has happened. No, I have good communication with God to the level of friendship status. You want a man that is not afraid to lead. You want a man that is good at making decisions. You want a man that's that's uh, <clears throat> uh, consistent. You want a man that knows how to keep a job. You want a man that's financially stable. You want a man um, that uh, is empathetic, kind. And, and, and masculinity is found in Jesus. Like Jesus was a man's man, but he was also gentle. Jesus was the same man that came into the temple with a whip and whooped up everybody. He was the same man that was a carpenter. He was the same man that engaged in, in critical conversation with Pharisees. He was a man's man, but he was also an empathetic man enough where he's able to understand the woman at the well, was kind enough with the woman caught in adultery, was gentle with the woman that came and washed his feet with the Hair. He was nice enough to go by Lazarus and raise him dead. He had John laying on his breast. So he was, he was, he, he was, he was the full balance of a man where he was a strong but also empathetic at the same time. You, if you want a, a blueprint of, 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 of the type of man that you want as a husband, go to God's word and begin to write different characteristics and put a scripture beside it so that you could be reminded about the word about this man so that you could pray the word over that individual. And then you, the bottom of your list is height, looks, uh, um, and all everything like that. But I see nothing wrong with having a checklist <clears throat> and it be specific because chances are the more specific you are to what you really feel in your gut. Like, 
I remember where I put him on list, and it was no knock to any other woman, but I said, I, I remember when I was on my list a long time ago that I wanted to marry a model. And, and the chances of me marrying a model would have been I would have had to marry somebody in my 20s because at that time, I thought models were young. But come to find out, my wife is still modeling all the way to 34. You know what I'm saying? And I put, I, I put, uh, I looks like fancy. And all of a sudden, now my wife looks like fancy. So you're going to find things very specific in your heart. Write those things down. But keep it quiet. Keep it. And, 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 and every now and then, probably every year or so, look back at that list and take some things away and add some things as you grow in maturity. And that's what happens. Your list will change. <clears throat> your list will grow and your list will slow based upon your growth in maturity. Great question. Because I tell I tell kids all the time, your favorite color is your favorite color for a reason. We're not talking about the favorite color that your parents put on you, like girls, pink, boys, blue. But whatever you gravitate to, to a degree, says a lot about your purpose. And don't be afraid of wanting what you want and being very clear. Like if you like a tall man, it's okay. We're just making sure that that list doesn't become so much of aesthetics that it doesn't have actual uh, uh, scriptural uh, mature things that supplements an individual. And the same thing goes for ladies. Fellas, it's okay to be specific. It's okay if you like a, the woman that you like and you just got to ask yourself, why do I like this kind of woman? Is it because it's the kind of woman that was placed on me through society? Or, this, or is this a woman that I really want to be with for the rest of my life because if you always look at the aesthetics and not look at the climate or the atmosphere in her heart then you're going to end up marrying someone that's not going to be a wife you want a person ultimately <clears throat> that is ready to be a husband that's ready to be a wife and not someone that looks the part or is good for certain sexual experiences and she looks the part and he's sexy or she's sexy and you marry off of sexiness Sexiness don't know how to boil water. Sexiness to a degree don't know how to sustain a family. We're talking about sexiness alone. Now, it's okay to be sexy and saved in the confines of marriage, but the aesthetics can't be the dominant, should not be dominating your checklist. Great questions. God has been telling me that I'm about to shift. How do I properly shift with God? Good question. Um, define the shift. Ask God to uh, ask God who can I talk to has who has already been shifted there. Um, and and use common sense. Use the scriptures and use common sense. If God is shifting you to another level, then you know there's different levels of spiritual warfare. There's different levels of 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 preparation. There's different levels uh, of awareness. And if God is shifting you, you got to ask me what you got to tell me what the shift is. If God is shifting you somewhere in a spirit world, you got to prepare spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally to prepare yourself for what come with that. Because no matter where you shift it to, there's a specific amount of pressure that comes with that. I was telling the kids at our mentoring program yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, at the mentoring program yesterday about uh, being prepared for the platform that you that you want. That no matter what platform you inspire to get to, there's a certain level amount of pressure that you have to be able to manage. If not, that pressure will push you off of that platform. And many people are, are, are warned about a shift, but are not prepared for the shift. So how to prepare for the shift? Define what the shift is. Father God, Heavenly Father, what are you shifting me towards? 
okay, as a spiritual thing. You shifted me deeper into ministry. You shifted me into a greater level of business. You shifted me into a relationship. You shifted me. Well, you got to define the shift. Once you define the shift, excuse me, guys, I'm sorry. Once you define the shift, then you got to surround yourself with people who has already been shifted there. But before you even do that, you got to go to God's word and say, okay, what must I do? Just get a sheet of paper and a pencil and be like, if I, first off, you got like, first off, you got to be very clear on what the shift is and you got to write down what must I do to be able to stand when shifted? Because once shifted, it's going to be hard to go back. Once shifted, you can't go forward, you can't go back. You may be there for a season. So you got to prepare accordingly. <clears throat> so my advice to you, Holy Spirit, where am I being shifted to? Okay, you're being shifted into relationship. You're being shifted into singleness. You're being shifted into business. You're being shifted deeper into ministry. You're being shifted to a deeper level in prayer. You're being shifted to a deeper level, different level of, 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 of usefulness to God. Okay, I define the shift. Okay, what does the scripture say about this specific shift? What does the word of God say about work? What does God say about relationship? What, the word of God, what does the word of God say about whatever I'm shifted to? Then Holy Spirit, surround me with people that could mentor me before the shift as I'm shift, as I'm shifting and when I'm shifted, because you need to be surrounded with people whose feet is, is fully, uh, anchored in that position. Not somebody that's compromising it, not somebody that's about to lose it, but God was surround you with some seasoned individuals that will help you right now. In my 11th year in ministry, I'm being shifted into a different level of ministry. Now the old 10 years of ministry was almost like, <clears throat> Trial and error was almost maturing, growing, understanding, navigating. Now I'm being shifted into a new, higher level in ministry and being prepared for a big time ministry. We're not talking about big time ministry like 5,000 people in the minute. We're talking about deeper in the spiritual things like shifting realms and, and dealing with principalities and dealing with healings to people and deliverances. We're talking about that kind of stuff. That, we're talking about the dirty ministry, discipling and, and, and all that kind of I'm being shifted into that. And God has anchored me with the man, with my pastor who's been in the game longer than I've been alive. So now I'm not out here ready to champion a movement <clears throat> per se and, and start my own church. No, I'm going to sit my behind down, submit myself to someone who has already been shifted to the place that I'm going. And, and be mentored throughout the process. So I'm going to still be doing videos. I'm still going to be doing books, but I'm not going to be doing all the other stuff because I'm being prepared to shift. And when you understand shifting in the spiritual world, you understand that you're shifted spiritually first before the natural. Right now, you don't know, you may not even know what level you're on, but I bet you you're on a higher level spiritually than where you are naturally. But God is going to shift you spiritually into spiritual preparation and spiritual maturity before you see it in the natural. <clears throat> Great questions. All right. Thank you, coach. You're so welcome. I'm an email. Oh, y'all talking. Y'all talking. Y'all friends. Okay, good. Quick question. All right, Miracle. Oh, but someone got you. All right. Everyone is running a different range of right? self-righteousness. That's real. Got to watch out for that. Now, Miracle has a question. How do I create intimacy with my within my courtship without crossing the line? I am new to choosing celibacy, and it's hard. I understand. Um... There is not an attachment that is too hard for God to untie. 
intimacy has always to a degree maybe a modern in the modern day era has been attached to sexual intimacy i think all forms of intimacy we're talking about deep intimacy must be reserved for marriage the intimacy i wouldn't even call it intimacy i would call it um respectfully getting to know each other respectfully getting to know each other meaning if it's hard for you to be celibate you got to completely court within the confines of of public um dating or getting to know each other i would never advise someone who has a sexual past to court going a courting process always being alone with each other in places where sex can pop off all right you got to be in a place where sex can't pop off you know what i'm saying now if y'all that kinking y'all that all over the place and y'all might not need to be with each other right now because if y'all gonna do stuff on a park bench in front of kids and stuff then y'all just y'all just all over the place but <clears throat> it's best for you to find yourself in a place whereas you're honestly let me read your question again how do I create intimacy within my course without crossing line? I am new to choosing self. If you're new to choosing celibacy, then it might not be the right time to be in a relationship. You got to give yourself time to heal, time to grow and mature so that celibacy is not a, a challenge. If celibacy, if celibacy is a challenge to you, then you shouldn't be in a courting relationship because no matter what you do, if it's still a challenge, if, it's a, if any sin or any habit is still a challenge to you, then it's best for you not to go to the next level in that area. If it's a challenge to be celibate and it's hard to do, then you might have to be honest with that person that you're dating and say, we can't date right now because honestly, I'm challenging this area and I need to heal up. I need to find, I need to go closer to God. I need to find a community that can help me grow in this area, but you're not going to be able to help me because you're too fine. You're too, you too attractive. You're too cute. You're too much. And, and I, and, and, cause if you still challenged in that area, you're going to, you're going to be challenging and you're going to find yourself being compromised. It's that simple. <clears throat> so I wouldn't get into a courting relationship to you completely healed. That doesn't mean um, and people will think, will I ever be healed from that? No, you just got to cooperate. You can be healed from anything, but healing takes cooperation. If I go to the doctor, the doctor says, hey, you you sprained your ankle, and here are some things that is proven to help those with sprained ankles, but I choose not to do what the doctor says, then that sprained ankle will turn into a worse or worse injury. But if I cooperate with the doctor and I do what the doctor says, then I will actually find myself ready sooner than if I didn't cooperate. A lot of people do not go to God, do not consult his word, are not in a solid community to be healed. And then they get mad when they've been single for 15 years. And God's like, you still hurt. Many of us, many people, you are where you are because you're unwilling to cooperate. And the moment you begin to cooperate with the doctor's orders, then you will find yourself healed quicker. Now, you got to ask yourself, am I single because I'm still being bruised, and, or that I'm still wounded, and I haven't treated the, the injury appropriately? A lot of people are single not because it's not God's timing and not because of, of, of the lack of people out there. It's because you're still wounded. <clears throat> and you haven't cooperated with God. And so it, you you won't be able to do it. And as and as a coach and as you and as a person that you uh uh respect, I hope 
I just think that if you are in a relationship with someone, you need to go to that person and say, you know what? Look, man, I need to date or court or pursue or be pursued post-confirmation, not pre-confirmation. And God is not going to put you with someone when he knows you're still challenged in something as far as celibacy. If it's hard to do, then help yourself by not hooking yourself up <clears throat> in a relationship that's going to have you hurt at the end. Hope that helped. I was about to say that. Laugh out loud. Sending love from Arizona. What's up, Arizona? Right. I have such a big mouth. I can never just stay and not tell people the truth. The Lord is working on them. Let them work on you. But know that the Bible talks about uh, speaking thing that's fit the occasion. Go to Google and talk, type in scripture that says fits the occasion. And you'll begin to see what the word of God says about that. And look up scriptures on the tongue and really meditate on that and see why you should tame your tongue. A lot of the untameness on our tongue is to a degree predicated on culture. It's predicated on patterns <clears throat> and it's predicated on insecurities. A lot of different things. You just got to find out why your tongue is so loose and really get to a place where you tame it and you tame it by allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind in that area so you that so that you can see why your words are valuable and how you should reserve them and use them wisely. All right, next question. I'm going to go just about an hour today, guys, maybe an hour and 15. Yes, God-centered relationships are so important. Um, you shouldn't have a husband checklist seek the lord yeah 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 but it's okay it's okay to write a list down it's okay to know what you want and 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 kind of observe but don't idolize the list don't make that list show idolatry and you bring that list everywhere putting them beside a dude like look here's my list okay 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 that's not you and you're taking your list everywhere and putting it beside a man's face no 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 journal vent write down what you want in a husband what you want in a wife grow from that but don't publicize your list. Don't take your list around you to see if that person matches your list. Nah, I don't. That's a waste of your time. All right. <clears throat> Thanks so much for this elaborate explanation. Got a better understand. I'm so glad, April. I'm so glad. Honestly, but Lord says to go after people that have been led astray. He does not want us to just sit back and watch people fall. Now, nah, you got to understand that um, cooperating with the Holy Spirit is all about being led. I don't believe in just going. I believe in being led uh, <clears throat> because you don't know if that person, the Bible says some plant, some water, but God gets the increase. The prerequisite to planting is toiling. You want to have a failure rate if you always constantly go, 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 and you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Before you go, let him show. The Holy Spirit is going to show you a person whose heart is ready to receive the planning. Now, we're just talking about through verbal, but your lifestyle could be planting seeds. But if you make it a habit about going out there and just forcing people to live the way you live, like there are certain people like who have an anointing for that, <clears throat> but they have such an anointing that even if that person has a hard heart, even that person has to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because if you just go out there and just be like, you're living in sin and you're living wrong, then what is that going to do to a person's heart that hasn't been helped by God? Then that heart's just going to be hardened towards you. The wise thing to do is, is to make sure 
that you are led in everything that you do. That's a fundamental principle is being led by the spirit. If the Holy Spirit shows you a stranger, you says, go tell him about the hope that you believe. Then you in obedience because the Holy Spirit is the farmer. He knows that ground has been toiled and and and, you know, a heart is ready to receive when the Holy Spirit brings that person to you or the Holy Spirit brings you to that person. And then that's when ministry really happens. I've seen it where a lot of people go out there, go out there and their hearts even become even more hardened to Christians. And the devil has their and the enemy has his uh, even more full that person because now he's going to feed them with his thoughts. Talking about, see, they're judgmental. They this and that. But if you would have waited till that person's heart was toiled, then that person would have be more receptive. <clears throat> my son's father and I didn't see eye to eye. He has a hood type mentality. He doesn't respect that my choice to raise my kids in the Lord. What do you suggest when it comes to co-parenting? Um, I haven't experienced that. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm very cautious when I talk about things like that because that's a delicate question because I don't want to say something um, um, that damages um, what God may be doing. But what I can say is that the best thing that you can do is give your situation to God and show love publicly. When I mean by love, be respectful, be whatever, because that is his, your son's father. But in private, in your closet, seek God about the matter, pray to God and say, God, create a better culture because God understands what you did. God ain't going to sit there and be like, well, nope, I ain't going to help you because you had a baby, whatever, whatever. Whoop, whoop. God going to be like, no, I want to help. We just got to invite God in and allow God to work. Because even in my life, when I was a kid, like my dad, it was crazy. God moved him out of my life um, at a certain period of my life and then brought him back in at 24. But but I think the same God that supported my mom when she was raising me as an only son um, uh, shows looking back, hindsight being 2020, that God was very tangible, very close. But my mom prayed for that. And I think when you believe and trust and believe and you built your faith to believe that, no, God can and will renew the situation and fix the situation where I'm able to co-parent in peace, I promise you, watch him. God will protect you. God will keep you. God will take care of your son in this situation. And even though y'all don't see eye to eye now, you and God see eye to eye and God will take care of that thing and you will see it miraculously happen. You will see that person's heart get softened. You'll see that person begin to cooperate and be a little bit more peaceful, but do not engage. But don't get, don't engage emotion with ego because i know you a lady don't don't be emotional with a man's ego especially if he's not saved don't get emotional with it just sometimes you might have to take it you know whatever and take it to god in prayer we're not talking about taking hits i'm not talking about you get hit we're not talking about getting hit or disrespected or abused we're talking about if that person just don't see eye to eye and or whatever you just okay and take it to god in prayer privately and watch him supernaturally create a, a miraculous culture around that co-parenting experience. Good questions. Uh-oh, went too far. Okay. Ooh, I got a lot of questions. What is thing? Okay, okay. 
Okay, let me keep scrolling. Wow, thank you guys for joining me today. Man. Uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> That's big. Thanks. You're welcome. Thumbs up. Um, why do some men run hot and cold? One minute he is showing great interest, but then the next minute he avoids you like the plague. <clears throat> it's called immaturity. A man who pursues you from God will know that he know that he knows. Now, you have to understand that not every man is hot and cold like that. And you have to also understand that that in certain age brackets or certain brackets of culture, there are going to be immature men and immature women. There are going to be men who's going to be interested in you at one minute and not the next minute. Because if a person is indecisive about who he is as a person, he's going to be indecisive with you. If a man is not sure of who he is and don't know himself, he's going to be unsure with you. A man who knows himself will tell you, I'm not ready right now. A man who knows himself will say, I really want to be with you, but right now I got to work on certain things. A man who is secure and who he is in Christ will be very specific to you on his moves and his decisions and his actions will correlate to it. The reason why a lot of men go hot and cold, they go missing, they go whatever, is because they're not sure about themselves. Let them go find their certainty and sureness somewhere else and don't allow them to use you as a yo-yo. You have to understand some men have rosters. Some men got a, a list of three to five women that they kind of play around with because they know, okay, she's she's wifey type, but she ain't throw it back type. So I can't be around her. I, I'm going to put her on reserves. I'm going to put her on the back burner. I'm going to show her a little interest when I feel lonely because she's going to give me, if in, based upon her level of maturity, she's going to give me some wifey um, uh, benefits prematurely, and I get that from her. I'm at least going to have two women who are who are down for the get down. They may be, they may be insecure about their looks. They're just going to give me what I want sexually. And there's other women. There's one who's the homie that this friends with benefits and somebody else, right? You got to understand that some of those guys play that game. And you gotta you gotta understand that there is a type of man out there that God is building and has built, and it's not just three or four of them out there. There's thousands of men out there. I'm sorry, don't get so caught up in <clears throat> um, God don't have enough. God can make God makes things happen, right? So what you have to understand is those type of men are immature. Those type of men don't know what they want. Those type of men are very immature and insecure about themselves, and they'll utilize you as a yo-yo. But you got to understand that there are certain things you must not give a man until you marry. See, a job, a company does not give an employer or potential employee benefits until they are actually employed. And there's a process of becoming employed. You do not get one dime of benefits until you are officially employed, until you got your badge, until you got your desk, until you got your uh, uh, employee welcome to the company package. But a lot of women, the reason why men are hot and cold with them is because you may, not you, but a, so when some women are are unsure about themselves or they want to save them or they given their wifely benefits prematurely. And that man is like, why pursue you when I still get this? Why be, why really, why really pursue you when you don't put it all in my face? So why do men run hot and cold, insecure, immature, and unsure about themselves or their players? They just want to play the field and they're just going from house to house to house, finding 
those who are willing to give them benefits without commitment. You spoil, you spoil those whom you give you know, where there's no requirements or expectations. That's when uh, 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 someone becomes spoiled. They become spoiled when there's no, when there's nothing required of them or expected from them and nothing restricted from them. You, maturity is birth when I'm required to mature, when I'm expected to mature, and when I can't get those benefits unless I am mature. And if society doesn't change and women do not grow in maturity, understanding that they're valuable and they have God-centered standards, then I'm not saying this is a woman's fault. It's not a woman's fault. Men are just, and some men out there that just need Jesus. But I'm saying, do not settle or shrink or step of uh, uh, 15 steps down just to have a man in your life. No, hold the standard, hold the expectations and put the benefits in a vault with three locks on them, with laser beams going around it, with 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 Doberman pit, uh, dogs around, with pit bulls guarding it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. Rejection is redirection and most of all protection. That's real. Uh, okay. Does the sins of the father affect his offspring if he's unrepentant? Oh, yeah. Generational curses, generational things passed down. Um, um, generational things are deeper than just what was seen is it's, uh, also about what was allowed. You know, um, if a father's unrepentant, that doesn't mean you can still carry it. That don't mean you still carry that father's issues. So what I'm trying to say is, oh, hold on. Does the sins of the fathers affect us? Yeah, to a degree. If you if you if you grew up under his under his um, household. And he allowed spirits in because of his sins. And now since he was watching porn, now the son at 13 is watching porn. And the baby son now who's down 13, the other son that now turned 16 now watching porn. It's because that father sin opened the door because he's the leader of the home, opened the door for those spirits to attack the offsprings. Right. And the unfortunate thing about children is, is that they don't really grow into maturity when it comes to things of God until they get older. But that thing has been in their heart for so long that now they don't know how to deal with untying themselves from that generational uh, uh, um, issue that was passed down because of what that father allowed. So how to help you is, is simply go to God and say, is there anything connected to me due to what my father or mother may have done as I was growing up? The Holy Spirit will begin to bring revelation and insight about when things were conceived. The best way to really find out is really look at your father and look at your life. Look at your mother, look at your life and say, what habits of theirs are evident in mine, bad habits, and what thought patterns are in my mind that was birthed by not being show love, by not being understanding, because sometimes we have an extreme effect. So because since because you didn't get a lot of love in your home, now you're giving a lot of love. Or those who got an uh, um, uh, over amount of love is now um, overly demanding and has unrealistic expectations because they was loved beyond the proper limits, right? So what you have to do is you have to observe, what kind of person am I right now? What about me could have derived from what my mom or dad allowed in the home? Okay, you narrow the things down, then you forgive them. 
because sometimes we get to the second point, there's going to be a lot of resentment and hate towards parents because you're going to be like, it don't matter because as you, the older you are, there's no excuses. You can't, you can't make excuses. I am who I am because of what my mama did. I am who I am because of what my daddy did. So now I'm going to be upset for the next 40 years of my life. And, and you can't tell me nothing. I'm like this because I'm like this. And I'm just, no, no, no. You, after number one, you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. After it got specific and you see what it is, now you got to forgive them, heal from that, and not allow them to be a part of your life. Because I can't, I can't sit there and because my dad did what he did, well, make an excuse or uh, because my father wasn't. Now, that's a bad excuse because you are fathered by God now. So just because they're not repenting from their sin doesn't mean that you cannot disconnect them yourself from the effects of their sins. The effects of a father's or mother's sins could be manyfold. One, it could be exactly like you're doing exactly what they're doing. Number two, it could be drastically different, drastically in an extreme way different than what they did. And that's still bad. Or it could be so compartmentalized, so hidden in there that that you just keep suffocating and pushing it down. That's what's going to jack you up, too. <clears throat> so what you got to do is how is what my father or my mother did and didn't do. That's important. Many of us, we always talk about what our father did and what our mother did, and we really talk about what they didn't do. What a father and mother didn't do still has almost the equal effect of what a father and a mother did do. So you got to also let go of what they didn't do. They didn't hug you much. Let that go. They didn't tell you you was pretty or handsome or smart. Let that go. Because now you're old enough now to navigate. Now, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and you're in your parents' house and you're growing in your faith, what you do now is you simply, you know, you know, find a place where your relationship with God can thrive, even in an atmosphere where it may not uh, be accepted on a larger scale, and 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 really just be observant. I'm not allowing it into my life. That is not going to affect my life and be very specific going forward. Great questions. How do I make sure I'm living out the values of the Lord? And, I, and, I, and if I fall short, how do I make sure I'm not so hard on myself? Great question. Um, the beautiful thing about <clears throat> your relationship with God is that you're his son or you his daughter. You're Lawrence or you his daughter. The thing about the difference between the law, the old covenant and new covenant is the old covenant was like, you got to do this to be accepted or to be at least acknowledged. The new covenant, now all of a sudden we are supported and helped to get to that place. So I don't have to, how to make sure I make this clear, I don't have to do this to be accepted. Because no man pursues God. No, not one. God, anyone that comes to me was first drawn by my father, Jesus said. So the fact that the Holy Spirit or the Father drew you to Jesus and, and you allow salvation to happen and opened you up for this Holy Spirit to dwell in you. Now you have to understand as a sealed believer is that you are incapable in your own strength to, to fulfill perfection. 
God cares about progression. God cares about cooperation. He cares about uh, renewing your mind because the best way for you to value what he values is to renew the way you view it. You are not, if you, if two viewpoints could give two different values to one thing and you got to be able to view yourself you won't be able to value yourself until you view yourself the way God views you. You're not going to value marriage until you view marriage the way God views marriage. You're not going to be able to value singleness until you see how God views singleness. You're not going to be able to value anything until you see it or view it how he sees it. And until then, you're going to find yourself feeling devalued because now you have a skewed way of thinking of how God views you. You got to understand that God's relationship with you is a father-daughter relationship. Same thing with me, father-son relationship. And in a good, healthy father-son or father-daughter relationship, there is uh, uh, chastening, there is pruning, there is correction, there is need for confession, there's need for uh, uh, um, um, growth. But that doesn't mean a father doesn't love you, doesn't value. If he didn't value, he wouldn't pursue you. Now, he just wants to modify your behaviors or match your behaviors. What he goes now is to make sure that your behaviors match your position, that your patterns, your practices matches your position with him. And that takes mental renewal. So in order for you not to be hard on yourself, you have to constantly view yourself the way God views you. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which means you have to really be a student of God's word, not for theological uh, uh, sparring sessions, but for personal uh, theological foundation and understanding of God's attributes and character so that when you do find yourself in a situation where you make a mistake, you constantly view yourself. When I make a mistake, I don't dwell on longer than about good five, 10 minutes. And most of those minutes is me processing how not to ensure that I don't fall back into that. By, by, but, but I get over it based upon, I know God may be disappointed. God may, I won't say disappointed. God may be like, come on, man. Come on. Come on, man. I gave you my spirit. I gave you my word. We got this. God is not going to be damning and, and, and I can't believe you. A good father disciplines or chastens by showing. Hey, what you did wasn't right. Let's learn from this. Let me show you how to do this. Let me change the way you think about this. So what I mean, God will be displeased with it because he's going to be like, man, I can't be pleased with that. Like, you know better. If you know better, you do better. But if you find yourself in a place where you know to do better, but you don't have the right system to do better, then God will renew your mind so that you can view it differently. All right. <clears throat> All right. Ask the creator to give you a spouse that's according to his will. That's right. He'll give you what's made for you. How do you know if God is waiting on you for the one he has for you or how to know what is taking so long? Basically, is it something you need to do or still develop? <clears throat> when it comes to relationships, let God do what he does and you just keep preparing, right? So I don't want you to get so focused on, oh, it's me that's hanging it up. But now what I mean by that, you got to self-examine yourself. When you look at yourself and you feel like, you know what, like what well, I know when I'm not ready for something, when I look at myself, when I look at myself and I'm like, man, oh, when I look at what I think I'm ready for it, I look at my current condition. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not really ready for that. Same thing with marriage. There was two times where my wife, well, one time my wife and I, uh, 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 I had no choice but to push it back because I wasn't ready. And I had to be honest. I, I'm not ready. 
not because I'm not ready mentally, emotionally, physically, but I wasn't financially ready. Uh, I wasn't, um, it just wasn't God's timing, you know, but I don't want a per, I don't want you to waste your time. Oh my gosh. Is it because of me? Is it because of God? All you got to do is, is all the information you need to know will be birthed from an intentional, engaging relationship with God. It's that simple. The more you engage with God, the more you engage with yourself, the more you really get into his word, the more you acknowledge the Holy Spirit, the more you do what the Bible says about being led by the spirit, engage with the spirit, the process with the spirit, and really developing a genuine relationship with God, not a relationship that's like dogmatic or so theologically heavy that there's no no ability for a genuine relationship to be birthed. God is a is a is a person. Just like you talk to your mom, just like you talk to a, I'm talking about a mom that you are close to or you talk to a friend, you talk to God the same way. You don't got to be all deep. People look at prayer as <clears throat> petition, 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 P- petition, 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 petition. That's all they think. Petition, petition. No, he's a person. Talk to him. What's up, God? God, man, how are you? Man, when I drive to work, I be talking to God like he really sitting beside me, like he's a real person. And when you begin to engage with the real person that is God, man, I'm telling you, it changes everything. And then God will let you know he'll put you on game. Like, look, man, fix this. But the more you think about when the one comes, you're going to find yourself idolizing the idea of that person. And then you're going to develop false expectations about that person. And then when that person's come, you're going to realize you realize you really wasn't ready. A lot of Christian relationships are 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 so complicated and they're complicated because of the idolatry in a person's heart. You idolize the idea of relationship so bad that when you with somebody, it's all this confusion and and oh my god, because you spent the whole time thinking about the one uh instead of preparing for the one. But the good thing about life is just keep preparing and God will knock on your door and be like, surprise, surprise, it's time. How do you know if God is waiting on you for the one he has for you? Simply, if you look at your life and you be like, I'm, I need to grow in this area. First off, you got to write down what you want in a mate. Genuine, authentic, biblically sound version of what you want in a person. Then the next list is who you are, good, bad, and the ugly. And compare the list. You want a man of God, but you really not a woman of God and vice versa. Then you know that's the area you need to grow in. <clears throat> if you want somebody who's healthy and fit, but you go to the gym once a year and that's in January, then you got to you got to fix that area because God's not going to give you someone who's strong in, in, in a lifestyle area. We're talking about lifestyle areas. We're not talking about personality traits. We're talking about lifestyle areas. If you're not good in that area, why is God going to give you some fit, uh, uh, in shape husband or wife and you let yourself go? God ain't going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like God's going to be like, you're going to become a liability to what he or she is doing. You want a man of God that prays, but you can't put two sentences together. You want a woman that can stand in the gap and pray you through things, but you keep bringing bad things into the life. <clears throat> it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. I think I'm going to be single until Jesus comes back because I'm. Okay, I can't find whatever you said. You don't got to be single. If you really desire to be married, just just prepare. And trust God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's right. And all is righteous. And all those things will be added unto you. Matthew 6.33. Seek the creator first and all these things. That's right. That's right. 
That's real. That's it. <clears throat> That's the formula right there. Seek ye first. You, you seek first the things of God, waiting on him, as in serving him, being a waitress, being a waiter. All you got to do is take care of him. You take care of his business, he'll take care of your business. That's simple. That's what seek ye first, the kingdom of God means. Seek it first. Seek his righteousness. Seek what type of right life you're supposed to live. Seek him <clears throat> as a person. S develop a relationship with him. Grow in him. And, and then seek first his righteousness. Like, I want to live uh, even, even more like him. I want to be even more like him. And the more you do those things, everything will be added unto you. You don't have to worry about uh, what you're going to eat, what you're going to be clothed by, who you're going to marry, when you're going to get married. You don't got to worry about that. Take care of God's business and he'll take care of your business. Is biracial marriage biblical? I feel like God may send me a white man or a foreman. That's nothing wrong with you. Listen, if you like what you like, you like what you like. You like what you like, you like what you like. I, 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 it is what it is. Now, you just got to make sure that you don't that you're not choosing this other culture from a place of self-hate. If you like a white man or a foreign man more than you do uh and it's a preference thing, then that's cool. But if it's birthed out of a deep-rooted problem that some people marry outside their race because they hate themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like if you love you now, if you like a white man, if you like a foreign man, that's cool. But if you like a white man or a foreign man because of what you've been told about your culture, your race, and it has a negative undertone, and there's a self hatred or a self righteousness against that person, then that's that's bad, and you got a heart issue. But if it's a preference and you just like what you like, but you don't have no hate towards your culture and your people, then why not marry somebody of the opposite uh, uh, nationality or race, right? But if it's birthed out of self-hate, you just don't like black, you don't like your culture, you just don't like them, and you got this judgmental, self-righteous, or self-hate attitude towards them, then that's the issue you got to deal with first because you could just be liking those people groups because you think all black men, you think all Asian men, you think all whatever men are like that way, and that's not the right thing. Then your heart becomes unbiblical. Your heart has to be biblical. And once your heart becomes biblically sound, then your decision and your choices will become biblically sound. Check your heart first and make sure that you like those cultures simply because of preference and no other reason. <clears throat> be specific. He is a good God. Nothing wrong with asking for sprinkles. Ain't nothing wrong with asking for sprinkles. I got a couple of sprinkles. I got a few sprinkles in my relationship, a few sprinkles. And I was like, God, I, I didn't know I was going to get that. Some things God going to give you just because he's a good father. Like, oh. I, I gave you this because I know you're going to like this about her. I know you're going to like this about him. I, you got to say, God knows more about what you want than you want. You think you think you putting God on game. Oh, here, God, that's what I like. God's like, bro, you like that. That's what you like. That's, that's you 17, bro. You 17. Wait till you get to 25. That list going to drastically change. But God, that's what I want. Look at my list. God, God's going to be like, bro, that ain't even really what you really want. That ain't even what you really want. What you really want is this. And then when you get it, you're going to be like, oh, snap. Whatever God has for you will fit you better than you force-fitting yourself with someone or something. Another question. How to keep a pure mind when sex is always on your mind and you're a virgin and don't watch porn or do 
or do anything to trigger it. <clears throat> How to keep a pure mind? When sex is always on your mind and you're a virgin, don't watch porn. You gotta understand that there are some things that makes being single difficult. What helped me was being completely honest with myself and being productive with myself. Being productive, writing books, doing videos, occupying my time. Um, and even when those thoughts come into my mind, the more mature I got in my mid-20s and beyond, I begin to learn how to cast down those vain imaginations and think myself into trouble to keep my feet out of trouble. The best way to keep your mind pure is to have a productive mind, have a mind that's 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 pursuing the things of God constantly to the point to where when they, when you are pressured to do something, you have built up such patterns that has given you the power. The reason why we don't have power because we don't have patterns. We have poor patterns or no or no patterns, and we have no power. So when the pressuring times come, you may not have sex on your mind. You may not have nothing on your mind. But when that pressure comes, because you haven't been consistent with the patterns and spiritual disciplines, then when pressed, you won't be able to do it. Jesus was tempted <clears throat> after the 40 days. Sometimes I think it was after or during the 40 days. But he prepared himself. See what I'm saying? And even though he was pressured and pressed, he responded with what was put in him. When pressured, when pressured, you're only going to respond with what's in you. And if you spent time, I mean, weeks on end, days on end, meditate on, on the word day and night, <clears throat> hiding God's word in your heart so that you might not sin against him, building your faith up by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then when you are pressured, you that thought will be cast down so quick because you got the power built up and you gave you given the Holy Spirit permission to lead to you'll be able to navigate better than what you think. But you have to change your patterns, change your uh, proximity, <clears throat> make sure that you're not lingering around certain areas a little bit too long that affects the way you think and utilize your power through your patterns, utilize your power through your position. You have power through position. That power becomes manageable and usable through maturity and patterns. So positionally, you have power in God. Don't get me wrong. Positionally, you have power because you're son and daughter, you have power. Just because you give someone a gun doesn't mean they know how to shoot it right. They don't know how to. You have power. You got the power in your hand. You just don't know how to hold the gun right. You don't know how to, to grip it right. And it could affect how you execute that power. Instead of being spot on with that power, now because you don't know how to handle the power, you're not mature. You're shooting all over the place. And now there's more casualties than it could than it should have been. Hold that. Y'all done got me an hour and 14 minutes. See? See? Uh, let's see. God has shifted me and prepared me. Amen. Very good information. <laughs> Someone said this. Uh, does anyone know if there's significance in seeing 11-11? There's power in numbers, um, but I'm not a um, I'm not really knowledgeable in numbers. But I do number. I'm not knowledgeable to the point to where to, sh to say if there's significance in numbers. But I do know there are significance in numbers. And uh, but don't don't be so overly consumed by numbers that you live your life through zodiacs and through numbers. Because then you're going to find yourself all confused all over the place. So creator is an excellent craftsman. He sure is. It's important to have a must. It's important to have a must have and can't stand list. Explain well in a day or something about. I'm not sure what you mean by that, Esther. I'm not sure. Put it again. If I see it again, I'll try to answer. 
How do you deal with feeling like I am always paying the price for sins I committed and things I've been wanting hasn't come? Marriage said, I have repented and keep repenting. You understand that God forgets your sins. And what I mean by that, when you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of them. Um, the issue is that many times we either don't forget or we we still flood into those sins and it calls even a deeper grip or deeper hole in us. Um, so how do you deal with feeling like I'm always paying the price for sins I committed? Like there's consequences. So you you what you mean price, the price could be consequences. Every decision you make has consequences. The best way to change your consequences is to change your choices. There's there's two types of consequences, good or bad. And they all come from good or bad choices. If you're tired of paying a price of sin, <clears throat> then stop doing those sins. Change the consequences by changing your choices. You change your choices by strengthening your commitment with Christ. When that begins to happen, your choices change. When you get clarity of mind that comes from being committed to Christ, then your choices become different and the consequences begin to change. So if you don't want to, if you want to stop paying a price for certain things, change your choices. And if your choices, you want to change your choices to the right way, audit your your commit your commitment to Christ. Everybody loves Christ, but when it's time to carry that cross and be committed, that's when the problem comes. All you got to do is confess your sin to God. God, I sinned. I made a mistake. Help renew, Lord, Spirit, renew my mind to see this thing differently and better so that I can move accordingly and be led by you and let that thing go. You just got to make sure you don't keep committing things that brings unnecessary consequences to your life that then brings condemnation and issues and all that stuff. Clutter, all that good stuff. Is it wrong to pray that God sent a partner by a certain age in the future? There's nothing wrong with asking. You just got to be okay if it doesn't happen. <clears throat> John the Baptist mom had to wait a long time. Uh, Abraham, Sarah. It's okay to ask. You got to ask. You got to ask. You got to ask yourself, why am I asking by this age? Is it fear because I don't? Th I won't be able to have a child. Is it fear because um, all my friends, or whatever, or these are my goals? I had a lot of goals. I wanted to be a millionaire by twenty five. Didn't happen. Then I changed it to thirty. Didn't happen. Then I just stopped saying it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, many other plans in a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. It's okay to ask God and, and tell God why. Have a conversation. Be real with him. Be open with him. But also know that he'll give you a peace. That peace doesn't mean you're going to get that husband or wife at that age. It means that I got you. And trust me, even though it may come a year or two or three or four years after that, do not allow the pressure of the world of whether or not you'll be able to have a baby, whether or not you're going to be able to be whatever, what other people may say. I don't care what your mom got to say. I don't care what your dad got to say. I don't care what your peers got to say. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the doctors say. If Abraham and them can have, a, if Sarah can have a baby at her age and John the Baptist's mom can have John the Baptist at her age, then doctors didn't make your womb, God did. And if God has a purpose for your womb to bring a child at a certain time, at a certain period, then you got to let God do that. If that, if God wants you to have somebody at a certain time, you got to understand that God doesn't just think about you. He thinks generationally and relationally. He thinks about, hey, what is the best time for you and your significant other to meet? If this is the best time for you and your significant other to meet, it's going to always be according to his purpose. You're going to have many plans. There's nothing wrong with sharing your plans with God, but you have to be okay if his purpose contradicts your plans. So it's okay to say, God, um, um, I would like to be married at this age, but I'm going to give it over to you because, God, 
whenever you bring the person, I know it's going to be the right time. Trust me. <clears throat> Did I think at 21 that I was going to get married at 32? No. I thought I was going to be married at like 26, 27, 28. Years kept going by. And I got married at the right time in the right year. I got married on my 10th year of ministry. 10th year, 10 years. Numbers. We're talking about numbers. 10 years. Um, in October. <clears throat> then... It's so much stuff that happened in the last six months that just the thing about God is your relationship will never stop confirming itself. Mm. <clears throat> Hear me. Anything connected by God will always keep confirming. That should let you know that God is going to keep confirming the relationship. It's going to keep confirming. If there is no confirmation or, 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 or if there's no confirmation, then you shouldn't commit yourself. God's relationships will always keep good. There's stuff that happened last week with me and my wife. And I'm like, there he goes again, confirming that we're supposed to be together. And I think God keeps confirming relationship because he knows relationship has, has moments, has periods where you ain't going to love each other. You ain't going to really like each other. You're going to love each other, but you ain't going to like each other. You're going to want to leave. You want to give up. And God's going to be like, boop, 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 confirm, 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 confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. And let you guys know, listen, you can be mad if you want to say whatever you want. But y'all still going to be together? It is what it is. Because I like it my way. <laughs> That's what God said. My way. When y'all say no, I'm in control. See? Help me. Let me keep going. I can't get in the lyrics. Can't get in the lyrics. But it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Good question. I got 10 more minutes and I'm out y'all's way. All right, what if I'm married but unhappy in my marriage? Mm. I'm seeing other men, but they only want sex. I feel stuck. What should I do? What if I'm married but unhappy in my marriage? I'm seeing other men, but they only want sex. I feel stuck. What should I do? <clears throat> Number one, you have to honor your marriage. Um, um, you're only going to hurt yourself if you're married and still mingling. You can't be married and mingle, right? Um. And men are going to want sex. Men are going to desire you. Men are going to want whatever. Men are going to want you to leave your husband. But you got to give God the opportunity to fix your marriage. Most people don't even give God the opportunity to redeem the marriage. Now you have to ask yourself questions like this. Why are you unhappy? That's a real question. If it's infidelity, if it's whatever, then, then God, through his word, gives you a way out. But divorce is not really what he wants. Now, if you think your marriage is redeemable, which just about 99.99% marriages are actually redeemable, we're talking about those that are willing to let God in are redeemable, then you now got to ask yourself, okay, am I willing to work to make this marriage work? Am I willing to, if my husband or wife is not willing to make it work, am I willing to be long-suffering and, and giving God the time? It's nothing wrong with saying, God, okay, <clears throat> I really want to give this marriage two years, God. I'm going to do everything the word says. I'm going to do everything that I can to, to, to be long-suffering. Let the Holy Spirit lead me in every area. And then after two years, I think God will make a way of escape. But give God a chance first. I'm seeing other men, but they only want sex. I feel stuck. What should I do? We should, number one, go to God and vent. God is how I feel in my marriage, man. I'm unhappy because X, Y, and Z. I don't like it when he does this. 
most people quit before giving God a chance to bring it together. Go to him wholeheartedly and say, and, and just give yourself a weekend, a couple of weeks and say, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do. And once you petition him once, praise him. Holy Spirit, Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you reveal all these things to me. God, you're a good God. You're going to let me know. Holy Spirit, I know you're going to lead me. Angels, I know you're doing the Lord's will on my behalf in my marriage. I'm going to find scriptures and meditate on them so I can have be happy because happiness shouldn't be based upon. You could be in a, a, a situation that could be deemed unhappy, but still be, have joy. <clears throat> happiness is based upon conditions. So you got to ask yourself, what conditions in your marriage is making you unhappy? Now you got to find your place of joy. And the only way joy is found is in the presence of God. And the more you engage in the presence of God, he'll give you what to do. And when you do it, you'll begin to see change. And if there's no change happening, he'll make a way of you get out of it. The other men don't mingle when you're still married. Respect what you chose before God to get into. And if you stood before God and got to let God fix it <clears throat> or give God the opportunity to fix it. Will God tell you information prematurely that would cause you to mess up what he has for you? Or does he only tell you things before it's time to influence your action according to his? That's right. God, God told me so much stuff in the beginning. And what I tell people just from wisdom, there's two places you put things, either in the soil or on the shelf. Everything that I hear about my life, whether it's through prophecy, whether it's through God, I put it on the shelf until I feel like God is like, put it in the soil now. And that's what I do. God will never tell you something prematurely. And what I mean by premature, now he'll tell you things whether you mature or not. But what I mean by prematurely, he'll never tell you to do something prematurely, right? But he'll tell you things before you're ready for them. And like you said in the second part, uh, he'll he'll give he'll give you things before it's time to influence your actions according to his will. Now, what I saw 10 years ago, it's crazy how me knowing that has guided my life a certain kind of way, you know? What, I got kicked out, my phone went totally blank when I asked that question. I, I, Cindy, I think I, I think I asked your question already. Maybe I'm just, you, you're not useless, Cindy. Don't let the devil put that in your mind at all. Don't let that, don't let that stuff get you in your head. Let me see which one was Cindy's question. Oh, what if I'm married not unhappy? Oh, I just answered that. Once the video posts, Cindy, Make sure you go to the one minute and 20, one hour 20th mark marker of the video, and that's why I answered your question. Nor do we go there. They are well known for taking money for their own expense. Okay, y'all talking to each other, okay. <clears throat> I feel like for me being sent, my spouse taking so long is frustrating because I hate that I'm impatient, but it just seems that it's happening for everyone except me. I don't know how to shake that. Listen, you understand just because things are happening for other people doesn't mean God did it. Anybody can get married. I mean, people divorced 50%, one out of two marriages divorced. So if you know that you're impatient and you know it, you are you, it, in order to be in a marriage, you're required to have long suffering or patience, then you know right there off of your own statement that you're not ready. And that's okay not to be ready. It just means that now you know what to do to get ready. And just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean God is doing it. 
I don't care what, that's why I don't go with what everybody's doing because not everybody's influenced by God. Not everybody's being led by God. It didn't matter who got married around me. It didn't matter what other people did around me. Now, it may bother you for a moment, but when you have your mind renewed and you begin to think logically that one out of every two marriages divorced, and what's the reason why one or two marriages divorced is because probably most relationships, even most of those marriages weren't even birthed by God, then it puts you at a perspective place of ease where you're like, why am I entertaining this thought when logically and biblically and culturally, this don't even make sense. I'm constantly tested with counterfeits every once in a while, but nothing God sent. God ain't going to send you nothing to that patience is dealt with. And the, the question is not you asking God, where is the one? The question should be, God, help me to become more patient because I know patience is what's needed in marriage. If you want to know what you need to have for marriage, look at the fruit of spirit. If you want to know what you need to have in ministry, look at the fruit of the spirit. If you want to know what you need to have in ministry, look at the fruit of the spirit. If you want to know what you need to have for any level that God wants to take you, see if any of those fruit of the spirit is evident in your life. If not, work on those areas and watch yourself become more prepared. If disabled and can't work, how can someone be able to be a man and be in a relationship? With God, all things are possible. I, I've never been disabled. And I haven't really been around people that were disabled as far as friendships or close or couples. But I, I think I think if um, little people can find another little person that they love and be together, um, or if, you know, um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really a part of a disabled community to really see it in, in action and see it done. But I believe it's possible. Uh, that just may not be for you. You know, Coach always rhyming. I love it. Before you go, let him show. That's real. Coach got bars, man. I'm a wordsmith. I just the only place I'm not called to is singing or rapping. But I, I might got some bars. But nah, I respect that art form. I don't like to go into art forms and end up disrespecting. I rather respect than to disrespect. <clears throat> just do little things for her as washing dishes, try cooking dinner. Oh, y'all talking to each other. Okay, okay, okay. Why do girls play mind games? Why do women and why do men play mind games? Because they're still babies. They're still kids. You know, people who play games constantly are immature. And sometimes women play mind games specifically, Josh, for you. And I can talk about men too, this falling for men and women. People play mind games because they want control. They use mind games to manipulate. Mind games only work on people whose minds are not stable. <clears throat> and so sometimes women play mind games or men play mind games simply and solely to have control in your life and to, because they're insecure. Insecure people try to um, secure themselves by affecting other people's insecurity. So what happens is, if I can make you feel insecure, I feel powerful at the moment. Now I feel secure because now I made you feel insecure or I'm watching from afar, watching you going through all these hoops and jumping over walls. Listen, fellas, let me put you on game. Listen, if a, it's a difference between pursuing a woman and chasing a woman. Never chase a woman, fellas. You pursue a woman. God ain't going to have you chase no woman's behind. I don't care how thick it is. He ain't going to make you chase it. There's a difference between being a linebacker that's pursuing a quarterback 
or versus a linebacker chasing a running back. Okay. A linebacker pursuing a quarterback, that linebacker's in control. That linebacker is going towards a target that 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 is actually catchable, is actually uh, obtainable because that person is probably not as fast as them. But a run a linebacker chasing a running back is outside of his own because or a lineman. Let's talk about a lineman. A lineman pursuing a quarterback is different than a lineman chasing a running back, right? Once the running back has got past the lineman, the lineman is going to be too slow to catch the running back because the running back is quick. That's chasing. Now he's chasing the running back because the running back is running towards their goal, and now you got to chase. But if you're pursuing your goal, see, as a lineman, you're always facing your goal. You're facing your goal post. So you're while you're pursuing your goals, everything in pursuit of your goal is catchable. But when another person's pursuing their goals and you're chasing behind them and that's not your and y'all goals don't match. I know it's an interesting analogy. Then now you in a deficit. You don't you don't chase no woman. And ladies, you don't you don't uh, I don't care what nobody do or what nobody say. Don't let people in your mind. And when people begin to drop manipulative nuggets or manipulative things in your mind, disregard them because they're still babies. All right. All right. I love that I'm single, but how do I keep my mind focused on changing myself and not focus on relationship? You just got to catch yourself in the moment. Miss Stokes, you just got to catch yourself in the moment. There's, I love doing ministry, but there's some things about ministry that I'd be like, man, do I really want to do this? You know, there's been periods throughout my 11 years of doing this where I wanted to quit. You know, but but I knew that this was my purpose. I loved what I, I loved it, but 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 there's things that comes in the process that try to distract you. So what I do is I just catch myself in those moments, reassure myself what the word of God says about that area, rebound, regroup, and rebound, rebound. So what it was my three R's. Um repent, regroup, rebound. But anyway, just regroup. Okay, okay, I had a moment. Regroup, then rebound. See, relationships, man, they, they're fleeting. You don't know what's going on. Don't consult Instagram to see, to try to find good relationships. Don't go to Instagram to look for good relationships. Go to where real people are and see real relationships. Talk to someone that's been married 40 and 50 years and find out what real relationship is. Don't go to Instagram to see what real relationships are because most of those relationships are fabricated and they don't really like each other. They're just doing that for the gram and they're doing it for likes. They're doing it for attention. They're doing it to puff up their insecurities. And that's not what you should do. So the best way to focus back on yourself is to remind yourself of that fact or those facts about the fabrications of relationships and the idolatry that is in relationships, and then get right back on being single. Because God's got you. At the end of the day, <clears throat> if you don't hear anything else that I said today, God's got you. God's got you. Like, like God is, like, God ain't forgot about you. When you know that, you let God do what he do best. What do you, what do, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. See, it always does that. I got time for two more questions, y'all, and I got to go. Coach Todd. I'm scrolling. 
Okay. Almost there. Wow. That's a lot of questions. Uh, let's see. Well, I got time for two questions. I don't know where I'm scrolling to. Because y'all, boy, y'all. Uh, okay. Oh, that's a lot of questions. I don't think I'm going to be able to find where I left off. Man, y'all really in this thing, man. That's an honor, man. That's cool. God gets the glory, man. All right, y'all. I'm just going to have to start where I'm just going to scroll, swipe, swipe through, and let it stop. All right. Um, oh, that's a lot of y'all talking to each other. Okay. When, let me see the next question. Let's see. I'm 28, still living at my mom's house, but I'm supporting her with rent. Do I move out if I feel like God says so months ago? You just do what God tell you to do. You know? It's going to be hard for you to leave if you it's going to be hard for you to cleave if you can't leave. And if God told you to do something months ago, you got to go ahead and do it. <clears throat> you can support your mind from afar. Get your life together. Well, I don't mean it in a bad way, but just get your life together. Then move out and do what you got to do. And here's what it is. Um, let's see. Does God always speak to you and say there she or he is as far as pursuing someone? Um, I don't I don't necessarily think that God would be like, yo, bro, that's who it is. I think sometimes it's like that. And I think sometimes it's really I can tell from my own experience. Um, you just you just it was a weird feeling when I saw her for the first time. I, I, I was cautious, though, because I was mature enough not to be like <clears throat> she was it. But but it was it was just something about her. That's all I could tell you. It was something about her. And the and for her credit, to her credit, man, she was, I think she loved God more than me, man. Like, like she really made me uh um mature, like really made me really think about relationships differently because she just had strict um standards and it was dope. It wasn't like super high expectation. It wasn't something that was like, oh my God, she's just, it was like, yo, that's legit. That's real. And it was just something. And over time, you, you the knower becomes a little bit more deep. You'll, I remember when she first walked in, I messed up in my sermon. I was like, oh snap, I messed up. She was that beautiful. And then, and it was just something about her. And now hindsight being 2020, now we know, and I knew uh, if not a few months after that, but at the time it was just like, man, but the pursuit was more from my relationship. I tried to pursue many times and God blocked it. And oh, there we go. <clears throat> Sometimes when you're pursuing the right one, fellas, God will stop you. God will literally make it where you can't get married. It's the right one, but you can't pursue all the way to marriage. You may pursue to get to know her, but God may be like, nope, bam. And if something will happen, he'd be like, dang, we can't get married. Dang, we cannot get married right now because he knows that human male zeal, male hunting nature is going to want what it wants. 
and, and, and God will stop you because he loves you. But God may tell you straight out, God may, but God, but don't say nothing to her. Let God reveal it. And that's what you do. Last question. <clears throat> Maybe one more, or two more. Um, how to do, how to go deeper in ministry. Mm. How to go deeper in ministry. You just got to, it's easy. It's not easy, but it's simple. Go deeper in God. Deep, the depths of ministry is not these Instagram posts. It's not these motivational messages. That's not deep, man. That's shallow. That's shallow. Ministry, the bulk of Jesus' ministry was healing the sick, teaching the word, healing the sick, raising the dead, and delivering people. See what I'm saying? Deeper ministry is is really seeing people delivered, really seeing people set free and dependent on God and thriving in it. Deeper ministry is 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 knowing how um, to navigate as a spiritual being in a spiritual war. Deeper ministry is <clears throat> is being able to have God's heart for God's people. Or just people. As I'm gonna say God's people, because I'm not sitting there saying you just have a heart for Christians. I want you to have a heart for people. Um, but most people don't want to go deep in ministry because deep ministry is dirty ministry. The deeper you go, the dirtier it gets. The deeper you go, now you have to deal with demons. People love shallow ministry <clears throat> because all you gotta do is preach. There's a lot of ministries out there, a lot of pastors out there that all they care about is that 60 seconds they get to put on Instagram. All they care about is that clip that can go viral. All they care about is, <clears throat> is being considered as a dope preacher. But what did Paul say? I don't want to, I don't want you to get caught up in the eloquency of my speech. I want you to know the power of God to the saving of your soul, to the regeneration of your mind, to the to the authority being executed throughout your life. That's deep ministry. But people don't want to do deep ministry because deep ministry is dirty ministry. Now you got to deal with demons, and now demons messing with your home. Now you got to pray. Now you got to plead the blood. Now you got to cover things. Now you got to be strategic in what you engage in. Now you got to cover yourself. Now you got to be discerning. That's people don't want that. If you really want to go deeper in ministry, go deeper in God and be and be ready to see what ministry is really all about. Taking care of the homeless, the sick, the naked, the thirsty, the hungry, the confused, the depressed, the demon oppressed. If all you care about <clears throat> is doing dope messages, the bulk of the ministry that I do, you don't see. I got 756 kids that I deal with on a daily basis. You'll never see the effects of my ministry because I don't post that online. You may see it with my Mr. Ezzy channel. You may see through my Propel ministry. But what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, young girls talking about suicide, young boys out here talking about they don't like themselves. We do, I, I, work at a, I work at a school where these kids didn't grow up in the right family structures. So the bulk of my, this is, this is only really 10% of my ministry. All these videos, all these lives, it's probably only 10 to 20% of the ministry that I do on a day-to-day -day basis. The other 80, the other 90, you'll never know. And that's ministry. You know, you know, the prayers that I pray for people, the people that God used me to heal. My wife had a headache. She got healed within five minutes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you'll never know unless I tell you. But I think if you want to go deeper, see what the word of God says about ministry and see what Jesus did. He'll show you that he said greater works you would do. 
and that you will say, God, I'm going to come to you like a child and believe that I could do all the things you want me to do for you. Love you guys. We'll do this again this weekend because I wasn't able to do a What Should I Do Wednesday, so I'm going to do a What Should I Do weekend. So this weekend, I'm going to do a What Should I Do uh, live Q&A. So you guys, first come, first serve. You come, you sit. If you want to, if you want your questions answered, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell. So when you hit the bell, you'll know when the videos come up so you can get your questions in queue because I answer them according that way because first come, first serve. I love you guys. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that's watching or listening right now. Father, you know their need. You're open 24-7. Right now, after I have done my part in this video's long gone, Father God, I pray that the ministry continues through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that the Spirit that's in me has built the faith in them to want to know you deeply. And from there, everything else will birth. Father, I thank you that you will keep them in their relationships, in their singleness in their loneliness. Let them know that you're near the broken heart, that you care for them, and that you got them. I love them. I know you do more than I do. So let me pray. Amen. Love you guys. <clears throat> That's a ton of questions. So I wasn't able to get to you. Y'all welcome. God bless you. I'm just not getting to the end. Amen. Pray for Aries. What Aries talking about? What's you going Aries, she's, she's a faithful. Oh, y'all oh, talking to each other. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Links in the description box below. If you want to learn about everything that I do, Go to IamUnplugged.com uh, for adult coaching and my youth mentoring programs. Also, six books, two card games. Uh, May 23rd, May 23rd, we're going to be talking about soul ties for like, I don't know how many Thursdays. Get the book, The Purpose of Freedom, now on Amazon. Get your books. We're going to start reading, utilizing the scriptures, utilizing the prayers in those books to set us free from soul ties and strongholds. Get the book. Get the book that spawned this dating prep and the card game dating prep. All those links in the description box below when it's over. I love you guys. Y'all be blessed. I see you guys next time. Thank you guys for watching live. Thank you guys for watching later. And thank you all for.